Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 252 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for another day in your word when we can learn more of you and your might and power. Lord, teach us more of you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's see what Jesus is teaching in John chapter 6. We read that a large crowd was following Jesus because they saw the miracles of healing he had done. How big was this crowd? Well, it seems it was a large one, 5,000 people. Being the great teacher that he was, Jesus asked his disciples how they were going to feed them. They couldn't quite calculate the correct answer. However, Jesus knew. He gave thanks and then gave everyone as much food as they wanted. Jesus shows us that God doesn't waste anything as he told the disciples to gather up all the leftovers. In fact, the Bible tells us they gathered up the fragments of food and there were 12 baskets of fragments left over. Our God is a God who uses everything and everybody. May we never think we don't have enough to share or can never be used. And may we not waste what God has given us. God doesn't waste anything or anyone. Jesus walked on the water out to his disciples, which frightened them terribly. Jesus said, it is I. Do not be afraid. I am. Stop being frightened. There was a storm and the disciples struggled to row against it. But when Jesus got in the boat, they found themselves quickly at the shore. That's what happens when the great I am gets in our boat. Everything is quickly resolved. Well, the crowd of people made their way over to the other side of the sea as they searched for Jesus. The Lord started preaching to them again. He told them to stop working for mere food, but work for eternity. When they asked him what they could do, he simply told them to believe in him. But they questioned him. Even though he had just fed them all with not enough food to feed a family, they wanted a sign. Wasn't that sign enough? Jesus told them that he is the bread of life, but they didn't believe him. There are some very encouraging verses to us in this chapter, despite the people who didn't believe. In verse 27, Jesus said, All whom my Father gives and trusts to me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will most certainly not cast out. I will never, no, never reject one of them who comes to me. We are fortunate to be the one God called to know him. We are also fortunate Jesus promises to not reject or cast us out. The promise of eternity is for us, eternity with God and his Son. There is no greater gift Let's see what Paul is teaching in Ephesians chapter 2. Paul tells the Ephesians that although they were once dead in their sins, now they are alive in Christ. They were Gentiles and outcasts from the Jewish nation, but now they are a part of his own household. God's grace is given without restraint. It covers us even today. His grace that was given through his son's sacrifice is still in effect today and beyond. Verse 10 says, for we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we will walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. I know when I take the time to make something, my handiwork, I want to share it with others. Well, we are God's handiwork, and he wants to share us with others as well. May we lean into the Lord and seek his perfect will for our lives. And may we pray for obedience to walk in the way he plans for us to go. 
Let's see what Isaiah can teach us in chapter 13. Up until now, Isaiah spoke about God's wrath against Judah and Israel. For the next 10 chapters or so, Isaiah's prophecy is about God's wrath against other nations. This chapter and the next one is a prophecy that Isaiah's son had against Babylon. Babylon would grow in power over the next 100 years, and God's judgment will be against them, as you will read. Verse 6 says, Wail for the day of the Lord is at hand, as destruction from the Almighty and Sufficient One, should I. Yes, the Lord will be against them, as the rest of the chapter describes. Verse 9 starts with, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. This alludes to both the end of the Babylonian Empire and the final judgment of the world. Verse 10 reads much like Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 24 about his return when the stars fall from heaven and the sun and the moon are dark. God's judgment and punishment will take place. Notice that the wicked and proud are the ones he takes down. May we seek righteousness and a humble and meek spirit. As we end this chapter, we read that Babylon will be uninhabitable by people. Yes, God's judgment is complete and it is final. In chapter 14, we read that God will have mercy on the Jews held captive in Babylon. He will choose Israel again and his people will be brought back to their land and all will be restored. In fact, his people will invite the Gentiles to live with them. Verse 3 starts, When the Lord has given you rest from your sorrow and pain from your trouble. Jesus says much the same thing in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. When Babylon is brought down, the world will be at rest. When Satan is bound, the world will be at rest. Starting in verse 12, Satan is addressed. When he thought he could rise above heaven and make himself like the Most High God, he will be taken down. This is God's promise. Starting in verse 18, the king of Babylon is addressed, and he will be taken down. Then we read about the Syrians, who will also be taken down. Then the Philistines are addressed. God will not stop until all of the adversaries of his chosen people are dealt with. God's heart is that the poor and afflicted will find refuge in Zion, as is written in verse 32. May we praise Almighty God for the perfect plan for us and the world. Let's see what we can learn from Psalm 71. We see he writes as an older person and talks about how God was with him since he was a young boy. Yes, God was with David throughout his life. It is interesting he still writes about adversaries this late in the game. There will always be people who come against us, but we can imitate King David as he writes about hoping in God and praising God in this and many of the Psalms he writes. Verse 8 says he will be filled with God's praise. And verse 14 says he will hope continually and praise God even more. May we be filled with praise and hope for the Lord. Let us pray. O oh Lord, thank you for your word that breathes hope into our spirit. Our hope is in you, Father. Keep our eyes on you and not the world. Impart more faith into our hearts. Help us believe in your ability as we fail on our own. Cause us to lean on you, Almighty God and Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word.